the great J.J. Johnson with minor blues. J.J. Johnson, a trombonist, composer, arranger, dominated the instrument for more than 70 years. He died in 2001 at the age of 77. He's joined on this tune right, with uh, uh, Harold Mayburn on piano, Arthur Hopper on bass, and Frank Grant, Gant, sorry, on drums. This is Lead Stories. I'm Eutrice Lead, and glad you can be with me today. Today, when President Joseph R. Biden is expected to deliver an address tonight, a State of the Union address at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Each year, the President formally addresses Congress and the people of the United States, outlining critical issues confronting the country and how the administration proposes to deal with them. Most people, even though they may not have formal credentials as political scientists or policymakers, are keenly aware of the problems we face as a nation and what can be done to address and solve them. What would you say is the state of the nation? That's the question we are addressing today. What would you say is the state of the nation? 888-874-4888 is the number to call. And let's hear what you're thinking. Whichever way you, you're going on the question, it would be good to know. 888-874-4888. I'm trying to find my phone. <laughs> I'm trying to find my phone here. Uh, and it it's, has eluded me. I just had it. It was up on the screen, but uh, the studio could let me know when the first call comes in while I go back and get my phone up and running. 888-874-4888. This would be a significant State of the Union address, I think, because of, as you, you can tell, the the situation that the world is in right now. And it's not just in Europe, it's not just about the, the fighting that's going on. It's about how people are feeling about this business of what government is for, what is it supposed to do? And to what degree should people look to government to provide certain answers that we, we expect? You know, we expect that government should have an answer for a quality of life. Uh, what would happen to children's education? All these kinds of questions come to play, and 
that's what we look to government to give us answers to. What is the government going to do about certain things? What is this relationship between government and the people? Is there one? Is there a beneficial one? Uh, in the case of Joe Biden, this is his first State of the Union address. How does he see it? How does he see his role as head of state? And what are the priorities that he sees that he has? Uh, this, these are questions that are fundamental, I think, to any notion of what we call a democratic society. By the time Biden finishes his speech tonight, what impression would we have gotten about his understanding of his role as President of the United States in this time? What is the priority of the government? Is it the same as what the people want? And if it is not, then what do the people want? You would give us a clue or some cues about that in your answer today. 888-874-4888. What is your expectation of the role of government at this time in our collective lives? What is government supposed to be doing? What is government supposed to be concerned about? And how would you relate to Biden's speech? What are you looking for him to address? What are you looking for um, in terms of what he says his focus is? And do they jive your vision and his? Uh, if not, then... What's the alternative? What do you have as an answer for that? So what is your version of the State of the Union? That's a question being asked today. And what do you see in the near future as the collective fate of this country, all of us? tied together, what is it that we will end up having to face and cope with? Do you have an answer? Do you have an idea? Do you have an idea worth sharing? <laughs> That's the question. At 888-874-4888. What is your state of the union as you see it? What is the State of the Union? How are we doing? How should we be doing? What should be happening? What isn't happening and why, from your perspective? And if you had to write a, a kind of order to the president, here's your, here's your assignment, go get it done, what would that assignment be? What is it that the people of the United States need at this time from a 
president who is supposed to be leading this country, and Congress, too. Because, in fact, the president's address is directed at Congress as well, because he's supposed to be getting Congress ready for the ideas that he has that he intends to implement. We don't know how they will react to it, but this is how it goes. 888-874-4888 is the number to call. I don't see not a soul calling in. What's, what's the hesitancy? You don't want to be unmasked in front of the, the public? You're afraid that people would disagree with you? Oh, come on. we all grown up here. We can, we can deal with it. We can deal with it. What is it that you're thinking? This is your country. And this is the ritual. The president, and this happens to be the first time for Biden, making a national address in which he focuses the attention of the country on what he sees, he and his administration, see as priority items for the administration to tackle and hopefully solve. What do you hope will be within the realm of, of consideration? What issues do you believe should be on this list of things that the president says he has as his priorities? What are you hoping that he would name as priority items tonight, and why? As we look at the situation unfolding in Ukraine, we see how, and of course I, we, we should appreciate that it is a, a wartime situation. It is not a normal situation. But we see just the same how citizens are struggling with this question of which way do we go and how do we get there? Not just the citizens, but the country itself is plunged in this urgent issue of trying to figure out what's the next step. It's the same for all countries. And I'm coming back to Biden now. Biden has been in office for a year. He's going to have to come up with some kind of an address dealing with what he should know by now. He should have a very strong indication as to where the citizens are, where they're their concerns are, what they want done, what they expect from government, and the priorities that they have. Will his address tonight even come close to acknowledging these things? And if so, what has he distilled from his time in office so far? having access to all these numbers and uh, information, 
about how people are feeling about government right now, what do you think he might come up with? What do you think his concern would be, his priority items would be? And would they be the same as yours? That's what we're trying to figure out here today. So, I still see not one, not one person on the board. That's really weird. Okay. Well, it is open now, officially. We've gone, lost enough time uh, laying out an idea of what it is you can voice as your opinion about your version of a state of the state address. If we don't have that yet, we will entertain your ideas on a more, uh, a broader scale as to what you think is the, the, what do you think is the status of citizens in this country right now vis-a-vis their hopes and dreams and aspirations for what government can do to improve their condition. People talk about it all the time. All of a sudden, here we are. Here's an opportunity to talk about it. <laughs> it is the sound of silence. I don't get that. I don't get that, but that's, that's up to you. Leona from Michigan, you're on the air. Uh, greetings, you trees, and greetings to your audience. Thank you, Thank you very much, and to you too. Mm-hmm. Listen, I, uh, in terms of the uh, State of the Union address by President Biden on on the uh, on the WhiteHouse.gov website, you know, sometimes it gives you a little sneak preview about uh, what the State of the Union is going to, you know, what he's going to cover. And, and on the fact sheet, it says, President Biden to address strategy to address our national mental health crisis as part of a unity agenda in his first State of the Union. That was a press release today. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a few paragraphs if people want to dig deeper into it. Um, this idea, I don't know what the unity agenda is. Um, however, um, this national mental health crisis, um, I don't know what they mean by that either, but I guess that, that'll be interesting. I, I just thought I'd throw that into the mix since you were asking for, you know, feedback about what people may or may not be thinking about this upcoming first State of the Union address. But, uh, yes. Uh, did it surprise you that uh, mental health has taken such uh, a priority? A little bit. But again, I'm not sure exactly what what they mean by that. Uh, because, you know, <clears throat> it could be argued that... Um, you know, the, the the entire administration may be suffering some kind of mental health crisis. Uh, the the it could be uh, it could be the case that we are all in this mental health crisis soup together. Uh, except that some people think that others have the responsibility to define it and fix it. But we'll see. 
Thank you for getting us started today, Leona. From the Bronx, Daryl, you're on the air. What is, in your mind, a major priority item that the president, if he's been paying attention, will address tonight? If he wants to get real, oh, well, greetings, Trees. Uh, Hello. From the Bronx. Uh, if he wants to get reelected, he needs to do something really quickly to explain Build Back Better and to get that thing, get that money distributed in the context that since people are looking at their pocketbooks, talking about inflation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, unless he can explain in a cogent fashion why prices are going up, how long he expects them to have to, expects the population to have to um, endure the um, inadequacy, inadequacies of the capitalist system, or he figures out a way to convince Congress to start cutting some checks, um, he's toast. Why would you say that? In the context that, go ahead. He wouldn't be the first president to be in in this situation. We wouldn't be experiencing it for the first time. So why is it especially important now, in your view? Okay. The only thing that seems to be bipartisan in this country is spending money for offense, keeping the Defense Department and the pharmaceutical companies rolling in dough. So what I'm getting out of this current Ukrainian situation is that if you look at where the money is going to be made, uh, the average population is going to take another hit. The farmers growing wheat should do very well. The oil interests are going to to be able to open up the closed frac frac gas uh, wells and start doing, and they'll keep the, that oil at a hundred dollars a barrel. So basically, unless he's able to support his population, while uh, the the um, while the economy. Especially with regard, I wasn't even aware of the food situation um, in the Western Asia areas. Um, it's going to be really ugly because people aren't going to understand the game that's being played. There hasn't been peace in this country during my lifetime, and I'm 73 years old. So I'm unclear what people are talking about when they're talking, unless it happens to the individual, uh, people are clueless as to how to operate in this system. Hmm. If you had your druthers, what would be the emphasis tonight? An emphasis needs to be on how he's going to support the people during the up-and-coming economic crisis that isn't actually up and coming. It's continual. So 
bread and butter issues are what people are operating on. Unless they can see it in the paycheck in some form or fashion or relief in the um, a, a, main, a maintenance of their economic status in this, in, in this uh, country, he's going to lose a lot, uh, the little support that he has because he hasn't come, even though he has performed better than probably the last five presidents with regard to the economy, because more and more of the masses aren't feeling that performance. He's got a lot of problems. So how do you explain sending a billion dollars to Ukraine to support the Ukraine government when you won't provide enough money for your people to go to the hospital to get some kind of medical care in this country? Okay. Thank you. Thanks for your analysis today. Camille from New Jersey, you're on the air. Hi, Shreese. Hello. Um, hi. Um, in terms of Biden's speech tonight, obviously, I think he should talk about the Russia situation, but um, I also feel like there's a, um, a certain plight that he needs to address, and it's relating to the millennials. I'm a millennial in my early 30s, and I don't know anyone who plans on voting for Biden next time. Um, he made a lot of promises about the student loans. He said he would give us um, $10,000. Um, that didn't happen. We don't hear anything about that. Rent's going up like crazy. He can't buy a home. I just saw an article yesterday that said in New York City, the average rent for a one-bedroom is 3100 So that's a lot. So um, I feel like millennials, um, we've been really destabilized um, during COVID, and it's just really difficult to see what's going to happen in the future if you want to start a family, if you want to purchase a home. A lot of people, I feel like in my generation, are feeling really discouraged. And like I said, I don't know anyone that plans on voting for him in 2024. So I think he needs to talk to us more and provide more hope and optimism and really talk about how he can get the economy going and provide some assistance for us. But you you do appreciate the fact that he has been plunged. He didn't ask for this, but he has been plunged into a vortex of craziness uh, happening both in the United States and outside of it. What would you put as the priority, the priority? For right now? Yes. I mean, right now, I mean, I guess the Russia situation and inflation in general, that's the, the biggest thing that comes to mind, um, the economy. But, I mean, I know it's it's very complicated and how he can address that. There's a lot of things at play. But, um, like I said, I, would, I, I don't have all the answers. I really don't know. But I just know that people in my generation are feeling discouraged. And maybe he could at least talk to us about or speak to us about something that they are planning or just providing some type of optimism. That's it. You really feel, you feel let down for some reason, and that's what I'm getting. You feel uh, left out 
of consideration. Yes, I, it's the first of the month. I just paid my, my bills today, and I'm like, woof, like, what's happening here? Yes, I feel discouraged a little bit. Does it uh, help you in any way? Does it lift your spirits in any way that you are now part of what is uh, going on in the general population? A lot of people are exactly where you are and feeling exactly as you do and have very little uh, in the way of answers. Does that comfort you? Yes, I feel like everyone is, is going through it, but I feel like with a lot of, I work with older people, older adults, and a lot of them have, you know, they may have a rent-stabilized apartment or they may have a home that they purchased or they may have a pension. And so, you know, I feel like those are things that my generation is really struggling to acquire. But yes, in general, I do feel like everyone's sort of going through some financial hardship at this time. Um, and I guess that is comforting. <laughs> well, so how, off the top of your head, and it's probably unfair to ask you to give an answer to a complicated uh, problem off the top of your head, but instinctively, what do you think might be a good response from the president uh, especially since he's going to be speaking in behalf of his administration, what kind of signal could he send tonight that might make you feel a little bit more hopeful? Um, maybe like a thorough investigation or audit relating to where funds are going. <laughs> and maybe some of those funds can be redirected to actually helping people. I mean, we are spending a lot of money um, with the military and all that, and now we are in a situation, so that's under. I want to say it's understandable, but I can see, I can understand a little bit more why they are um, using those funds for the military, but maybe just trying to find out um, how we can trim certain things and move money other places to, like I said, actually help people. Well, thank you very much. You make me feel more hopeful. If that, if that in any way lifts your spirits today, your responses are quite insightful, and I thank you for them. Thank you for calling in and sharing them. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Marcus from Wisconsin, you're on the air. Uh, thank you very much, you, Therese. I, I, I'm always... Uh, nauseated whenever a presidential speech is in the offing, or any politician for that matter. Um, because I, I, I've heard them all before. They're all variations basically on one theme. Uh, the script will be something like this. Um, uh, we, my fellow Americans, we have a fine country because we're a fine bunch of folks and sure we've got problems but we can solve those can't we gang and 
So let us go forward with our banner unfurled and our swords put away, but by the same token at our side. And then he'll say some nonsense about, now I'm speaking directly from my heart. And this is what they all do, and it's one version or another of this. And it's aimed at an infantilized adult population that, wants to believe that there's a big daddy that cares how they feel and wants to take care of them and wants to make sure they're okay. And, and it's certainly easier than admitting that all of history, all of the history of civilization, 10,000 years, is there to teach us that all governments, uh, resemble one another and are basically the same thing. Whatever their form, character, whatever it, whether it's an absolute government or a constitutional government or a monarchy, fascist, Nazi, Bolshevik, it's by its very nature conservative, it's static, it's intolerant of any change that the most privileged classes don't want, and are opposed to it, regardless of whatever they say. So whatever changes government undergoes are everywhere and always the result of pressure exerted on it, pressure strong enough to make the ruling power submit, peaceably or otherwise. In the case of populations, it's always otherwise, by revolution. And so it's automatically, in its design, conservative, and it unavoidably becomes reactionary. All governments are this way. It, it's like saying, I can change the functions of a, a plant or an animal. I, I can just change it if I look at it differently. It's like saying, I can hear with my eyes and see with my ears. Uh, you can't do that. It doesn't work. A state can only be what it is, the defender of mass exploitation and social privileges uh, for the benefit of the rich, the creator of privileged classes, and the protector of new monopolies. That's what all governments are. So sit still. Listen to the script. You can hope if you want to. That's, that's fine. You're entitled to do that. But you will get exactly more of what you've been getting. Is there no hope or no appropriate sign that you see of people bucking that practice and coming up with a different point of view and different actions relative to that point of view? Uh, no, and uh, one of the main reasons is is because people foolishly entertain the idea that there is something useful about hope. Hope is indistinguishable from prayer. It, it, it's looking at the sky and hoping the future will just turn out the way you want it to turn out. There is only one lesson of all history about how things 
change politically, and that is get to work on it. Hope accomplishes nothing. You have to organize. You have to act. Opinions mean nothing. You have to act, and you have to force the issue. That's all of history demonstrates this. So, uh, you know, the, uh, the left in the United States is riddled with these Quaker myths uh, that it just loves and cherishes. Oh, we must never be violent. We must never upset anybody. Uh, 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 speaking truth to power like power doesn't know what it's doing. Right. Uh, uh, knowledge is power. No, knowledge is not power. Knowledge is just knowledge. Power is power. And until we learn that, none of this will change. None of it. Governments are so, there to manipulate you. They, ex- they manage your expectations. That's what they're there so for. So Biden, Biden joins the group, the ever-expanding group that gives us the same as we have had before? Of course. Uh, uh, The rhetorical difference between uh, a a Republican and a Democrat, a conservative and a liberal or progressive, no, uh, are you a fascist in your daily life? That's the question. If you're a fascist in your daily life, if you're a boss, if, if you're a parent and you're pulling rank on your own kids and saying things like, do it because I told you to do it, you're a fascist. And it doesn't matter what kind of rhetoric you dress it up with. You're using power coercively. That's the problem. And these are basic lessons the U.S. population uh, uh, may be new uh, in fairly large percentage in the, I don't, you know, the, the 1820s or something, sections of it knew it, but it, it's completely forgotten. Uh, Americans are just, especially the left, are, are, who are supposed to be the people that are conscientious and focused on changing these things. They are the most deluded because they tolerate they tolerate this and uh, feel satisfied that all they have to do is rhetorically be on the right side of the argument, but you don't actually have to fight against anything. That's the hmm. problem. There's no resistance. Fascism, uh, tyranny is nothing new. What's new here is that there's no real resistance to it. None. Amen. I have to say amen to that one, because it is so starkly true. Thank you very much, Marcus, for contributing today. Gladys, I can't tell where you're from. It says Bell. I don't understand that, but you're on the air. Hello. uh, uh, Baltimore. Oh, Baltimore. Okay. Yes. And I heard some things this morning on the radio that would be interested um, by other black people that uh, were not really uh, appreciated worldwide and over in the Ukraine uh, blacks are told they can't get on the um, on the train trains yes out of town yes yes and and um, 
because they, they want to get out like the rest of the people, you know? And so that yes. lets you know that worldwide we're not appreciated. And uh, one uh, African was asked um, why he chose a white school to go to, and he said because it's too expensive to go to the school in Africa, if you can dig that. And um, so uh, what Biden is going to talk about, I really don't care what he's going to talk about because it probably won't affect black people and br or brown people in this country or the world, where, whatever. So that's all I have to say. But what makes you so certain of that? What is it, what signals has Biden sent that you interpret as not caring about people of color? Um, well, um, it's just a, a normal thing that uh, we don't expect much to hear from Biden in reference to us. It's normal. And it's normal with other white people, too. They don't give a hoot about black or brown people. In this country, particularly. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Gladys, for sure. contributing today. And Gail from New York, you're on the air. Hi, Eutrice. Voting rights, voting rights, voting rights. And uh, I think I'm about the sixth or seventh person um, to speak today. And I am now and have been for quite some time very disturbed that voting rights are being taken away, and I don't think that it will affect brown people as severely as it will um, blacks um, in this country. And I'm very dissatisfied with Biden's lack of initiation in that area and having the Justice, Depart Justice Department go full steam ahead. I think that they are taking some limited steps, but I think there's much more. And I just see us going backwards. And like um, Professor John Henry Clark would say, history, well, I don't think I can quote him um, verbatim, but he said history is like it's a clock. And, you know, when you look, you see what time it is, and I see us as going backwards very quickly. And I don't think white supremacy is being addressed nearly enough by Biden. And those are my comments. Okay. Um, it's a state of the union message. Do you think that the topics that you have raised, the issues that you have raised, belong 
at front and center of, in this discussion? Yes. yes, 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 yes. What would you have expected him, Biden, to say or to indicate that uh, this is part of the consciousness of his administration? Well, I think, I think, excuse me, he waited too long to even get around, <clears throat> excuse me, addressing um, or doing, taking any um, overt steps uh, as far as voting rights. Um, I think that I'm not sure how he should word it or how, you know, he has people around him, as do all other presidents, that actually shape their speeches for them. That are these, what you hear come out of their mouths or not, what comes out of their brain necessarily, you know, they, um, they, they have people that form their speeches for them to be acceptable for the public consumption. So me not being a, the professional that his speech writers are, I'm not sure, but I'm saying the substance of what he should be addressing should be in the areas that I spoke of. Okay. Well, thank you. Are you listening for them tonight? Yes, I will be. Okay. But, uh, you know, although I have very... Um, limited hope um, or, you know, I'm, I don't really believe that he will be, he has the courage, I should say, to be so forthright. But um, hopefully I'll be surprised. Hopefully we all will be. Thank you very much for your call today, Gail. Harvey from Berkeley, you're on the air. Hello, more than wonderful, Utrees. Hello, more than wonderful, Harvey. What's <laughs> going on? Well, uh, our endangered environment will take center stage, of course. But there's a chance that he's going to reveal that UFOs that are flying around in our skies are real based on information released from the Pentagon, and that it's time for America to extend its presence in space, including establishing a base on the moon and Mars, because space is the place. There's no place like space. And uh, I think that it's the beginning of a change in consciousness for the human beings. It would elevate us to the level that we're living on a small, endangered little planet, fragile little planet. It'll be a new resource for for uh, environments, uh, for for uh, technology. It'll it'll change everything. And uh, I think we all have to go out there and look back at our planet to get a real idea of the way. Uh, you know the way we we have to change in order to sustain life and uh, and eventually meet our uh, extraterrestrial brothers and sisters. So that, I think that's the general plan. Has Biden given even a scintilla of hope so far, or evidence that this is an area that concerns him? Well, um, I feel yes. I feel that he has. 
but not not very much because uh, you know we've been we've had the COVID and war and this and that. But um, Hillary Clinton, uh, one of her campaign promises was that she was going to look into all this stuff. That's before the Pentagon came out and revealed that yes, they do have uh, you know that that their planes and and uh, various other ships have uh, encountered UFO phenomena, and so. I feel that uh, be, being that he was vice president under Clinton, this is an extension of uh, of, uh, of what's coming to be, and it's going to be it's going to uh, shake up our world. But I think it's the next step uh, as we take our baby steps uh, off the planet, the, the cradle the cradle of life, and uh, grow up and uh, become become um, intergalactic. Well, do you expect Biden, in the middle of all that we are experiencing now as a nation and as several other nations, mm-hmm. do you think he's going to break from that trend of thought into this? Yes, I think he is, because uh, they need a break away from the childishness that's going on, you know, it's, it's almost like children. But, you know, war, <laughs> today's war isn't like war, you know, it used to be that war was a surprise. The king or the whoever was, you know, would, would surprise the enemy and, and make attack. Now you can't surprise anybody. They've got satellites in space looking down every square inch. They've got drones. They've got spy planes. I mean, it's being run like a, like a, a show on TV. You know, what's happening in the war today? You know, soon they'll have a theme and they'll have, uh, you know, like um, G.I. Joe types and they'll have like gorgeous women and it'll, it, they'll have theme songs. Maybe they'll make it into a musical. They'll call uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's war isn't practical anymore. It just it's it's entered the realm of entertainment. It's not a serious land grab. And that is why we have to go into space, because the moon, Mars, and beyond, we'll have as much space as we want. We can build uh, colonies in space, in space itself. I mean, so this is, this is the key to, uh, one of the keys to our survival is uh, our movement off the planet into, into space, and with it will come a lot of wealth, new technology, and a hope for a better future. Well, let's hope you onto something here, but... It is also, the flip side of the coin, is that it's a terrifying prospect. Yes, we haven't is. managed those things that were well within our ability to manage on this planet. And now we are proposing or thinking of expanding to other planets. Yes, well, by, by nature, we are, human beings are edge runners. We will uh, put it all on the line to find out things. I remember when the first nuclear device was exploded, uh, sci- they, uh, there were stories that scientists were betting, sometimes we were betting that there'd be a spontaneous uh, a combustion of the entire atmosphere around the world when they blew up the bomb. And other scientists were saying, no, it's going to be a limited explosion. And then and they put their money down, and then they pressed the button. And thank God it was a limited explosion. But that's who we are. These are 
where our best scientists were betting, like uh, whether it would be, you know, whether it would destroy the whole world or just a little bit, and uh, and and they press the button. So this is the way we humans are. We will press the button to find out things. We'll put it all on the line, and maybe that's how we got this far in the first place. Is because we will take chances that uh, you know other creatures won't take, and uh, it has brought us a lot of like wonderful technology but it has brought us a lot of problems as well but this is the nature of the the human race is to keep on going and you can't just wait till you you make sure that everybody here on earth is happy that won't happen it doesn't work like that but there's a good chance of a better lifestyle if we do go into space maybe we will find cures for diseases we'll find new technologies we'll get beyond fossil fuels the the uh, it's quite exciting actually well Let's let's see what he says tonight, and whether right. there's any indication as to him having uh, this is Biden having some kind of uh, reaction to what it is you just laid out. Thanks so much for calling today. Thank you, Elizabeth from New York. You're on the air. Yes. Hello. You're hello. Who? Um, I would like to apologize to Harriet Tubman, um, Dr. Ben, Dr. Clark, and all those evening uh, black professors who was teaching us of what's happening today. Um, I was acting like a, an Aunt Jemima, um, what's the other one? What's the man call? Aunt Jemima is the woman. What's the man call? I have a loss of thought there. Uncle Tom. Uh, attitude because here I was right protesting and, and writing up a piece in regards to Ukrainian and whatnot, and uh, they're bringing, they're letting them in into various countries. And look what they did to the Haitians. Back you go. But I don't war. understand where you're going with this. Uh, we are supposed to be addressing. Well, we're uh, addressing the the the, the, the uh, action of of the, of the president of, of the United Snakes of America. But all of that doesn't help us understand, from your perspective, what it is you're talking about. Uh, what do you expect the What do you expect the president? What he has uh, been doing be addressing nothing, tonight? Nothing for the, nothing for us. What he's been doing all along, nothing for us. It just rubbed it of, of 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 speeches that they told him to say. You know, they're they're all of puppets. And the people behind the doors are the ones who... But you, you're making very, very general statements here, and you're making them as if they are 100% fact. And that, that actually erodes the credibility of your argument itself. When you say they are doing this and they're all that, that's, we should have by now an evolved way of thinking where you can make certain decisions, you can make certain claims, but you are in a position to defend what it is you're saying because you have a couple of facts at, at hand. But when you make generalizations like that, and then you translate them into indictments and truths, you don't come across as credible. 
<laughs> you know, that's real funny. And, and, and I, I guess... Uh, no, it's not funny. It's not I funny at all. It's not funny. Let's stop right the there. What I just said is not funny. There's no humor. I intended no humor there. I was dead serious. Well, I know you would get serious, but it was funny to me because the, the president of, the, of these United States are uh, 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 getting away with murder like they have always been getting away with murder. You see, there you go again. The president is getting away with murder. Where is your proof? Where is the evidence of this? What the fact substantiates your position? I'll just give, uh, I apologize. I'll give you, I, I'm not the intellect that, that mostly uh, call on your show, you know. Um, so I, so I, I apologize for that. And I understand what you're saying. Uh, I would give one example in regards to that is that um, when when the president uh, did not assist the Haitians when they were when they were fleeing from Haiti, and he he sends them back to uh, he sends them back to uh, Haiti for death or worse, or, or and and then also when the president uh, where was it in Afghanistan uh, where uh, the um, well, he, he removed the, the troops, and people were were not safe. And those are two accounts that should open that open my eyes to to where he was coming from, basically. All right, so I'm I'm going to go now. And thank you very okay. much. God bless. Thank you very much for calling in. You know, we're grown folks, and we we have reached a point. Most of us where we can tolerate things that we didn't tolerate <laughs> five years ago, 10 years ago, because we have matured. We know the world is not a perfect place. We know the world is not all this or all that. And so when we promulgate ideas, when we promote ideas, when we take positions and we simply just paint with a broad brush. This is what I think, therefore this is fact. No, we have to be a bit more mature than that. And it helps us with our credibility. When you make statements and they come off just off the top of your head or out of your mouth, you know, there's no, there's no, sense to them. They're just statements meant to rile people up. You do yourself a great disservice. I don't care how much I disagree with your, your point of view. I care, though, that you appear to have invested some kind of inquiry and that you have intelligently weighed the situation as it exists, and that you are giving an analytical view, and not just spewing stuff. Uh, the time is long gone for that, even if it's unacceptable even in a four-year-old. You have an opinion, even if I don't agree with it, lay out your point. Give us some something that looks close enough to facts. 
But when you, you do that, it really diminishes you. It diminishes those of us listening to you. I would feel absolutely bound to point out your errors and the fact that you are not you are not respecting me and others listening to you as people who have done their own share of reading and understanding and therefore can't abide the whole idea of you just wholesale condemning things and you have no facts. You have not a credible leg to stand on. And yet, if you did, I would gladly listen to you because maybe you know something that needs to be shared. But everything you have said so far has just been one wide indictment. You can't be credible that way. So for your own sake, look at how you present what you consider to be very serious points of view and that should encourage a different kind of reaction other than the one that I have right now, which is just, you're just talking. That doesn't make sense. I thank you all for calling in and contributing today. Uh, let's see what the man comes up with tonight at 9 o'clock. And then we'll talk about that tomorrow, too. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.